Podcast, a production of the Decatur Public Library. I'm here with Denise and Dawn and Pat, and we're talking about stuff. Stuff. Stuff that we liked. 2018. Last half of 2018. <laughs> yeah. Maybe some stuff that we didn't like. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Stuff that we remember for <laughs> for good or bad reasons. <laughs> Things that were memorable. Memorable <laughs> things. Bo- books and other, other and things. others. Yeah. Right. Well, are there any others before we start talking about books? Because once we start talking about books. That's it? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because we've already kind of talked about say, movies. I haven't really seen that many movies. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, me either. Yeah, I, got nothing. I haven't either. <laughs> Did anybody <laughs> else? The last one that I saw was Mandy. <laughs> oh yeah, Mandy. That was good. <laughs> oh, Nicholas Cage. Time ago, wasn't it? No, nah, it wasn't that long. It wasn't ago. that long ago. Okay. It was a couple months ago. Oh, that's. Did anybody cool. else see Jurassic World too? Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I saw that. I saw no, that. I did not see that. Yeah. It was entertaining. I think it was a Jurassic movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think that it it lived. It wasn't as as memorable as the first one. And didn't live up to the hype. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much hype there was. I guess there was hype. I mean, I don't know. I felt almost like it was on the same level as Gremlins Two. Because Gremlins, awesome. Gremlins Two <laughs> was like good. it was like a send up, send up of itself. Uh, like the original movie took itself too seriously. And then the second one was just like that. We this whole concept is ridiculous, so let's just make it ridiculous. And I feel like that's how the second Jurassic World was. They're just mm-hmm. like, like we're not taking this seriously anymore. Let's just do whatever crazy stuff we want. Well, I, there were some redeeming factors, like you know the whole idea that that the the guy who was who was bad who decided that oh instead of just having a park with lots of dinosaurs, we should sell these dinosaurs and all the technology to the richest people around the world who were going to use them for not nice purposes and... Basically for weapons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, were, they, were, they really were going to weaponize them all, and mm-hmm. so let's just do that. We're, we're going to sell them to arms dealers and make billions and billions of dollars and and nobody needs that much money and so you know you felt like it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't about the future of science it was about human greed and violence and that kind of thing oh, all new te- yeah everything new get just gets turned into a weapon right right pretty it, much so it so it was a different theme i think than than the other movies yeah then. it definitely covered some some of that kind of those kind of themes i mean not that it was great it wasn't but it, it kind of went a different direction than the other movies had yeah I appreciated some of the animatronics. They were kind of freaky. There weren't enough of them, but it's okay. Animatronics? Yeah. These weren't real things? <laughs> well, 
instead of you know, as opposed to like everything just being computer generated. Yeah. But I there. Spoiler alert! Skip like the next minute or two. If, <laughs> if you don't want to hear this, if you don't want to be you know spoiled, but I did see some funny things like the you know one of those how it should have ended. Oh, animations and yeah. and it showed the part where they had uh, is that, y'all know this would be spoiling it for y'all too. Maybe I can't talk about this. It's okay. I don't think we care. You don't care. <laughs> okay, as long as I don't care. Yeah. So, I mean, if I wanted to see this movie, I would have seen it already. Where they, <laughs> where they have the gun that points the little laser and makes yeah. the sound that makes the dinosaur attack people. Right. And so this animation made fun of that. It's like, well, I'm already pointing a gun at you, so why would I need a dinosaur to do it when I could just be holding an I actual gun and yeah. shoot? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, that does kind of ruin that whole I guess it depends. Do you want to leave evidence behind? Yeah. I mean, there's a bloody mass there that was obviously eaten by an animal. Yeah. Which animal? Mm. But a bullet. A bullet can be traced. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking. I guess I'm, I think I've been not as well as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it in like in, in like a military situation, yeah. like uh, yeah. okay. like you know why? Where no one's going to be looking anyway. <laughs> right. You know. But right. anyway, I thought yeah. that was really funny. <laughs> yep. You can see that. And then, yeah, Mandy. We saw Mandy. Mandy, yeah. Which was just all kinds of That's freaky. amazing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Neither one of you would like Mandy. Great. I'm telling you right now. Okay. <laughs> Probably not. I just see Fantastic Beasts, too. And? Yeah. Well, it was... Fantastic beats. <laughs> I mean, Jude Law as young Albus Dumbledore was entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved Depp. the memes I saw uh, putting Jude Law side by side with Michael Gambon and uh-huh. saying, at what point did Dumbledore decide to ditch the three-piece suit and start wearing creepy robes and the long white beard and decide that was a good fashion statement? I, I thought that was funny. yeah that is funny <laughs> but anyway it was it was interesting and it it really did fill in some gaps from from the backstory of Harry Potter stories mm-hmm. but I don't know it was it was entertaining yeah I, I will say it was one of the few movies I've seen that Johnny Depp was in for more than just a minute or two that he didn't try to just take over the whole scenes, all the scenes he was in. Because mm-hmm. I think he and, um, what is her name? You know who I mean. Helena Bonham Carter. Yes, Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. I think the two of them have similar acting styles in that whatever they do, they're over the top and they distract from everything else that's going on around them because they are so over the top. I, I think they both have been great actors in certain things, but I think in a lot of things they just go crazy with their props and their costumes and their this and their that, and they don't realize that all they're doing is stealing the scene from everyone else that's around them and distracting from the story. But I don't think he did that this time. Oh, well. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Redmayne was in it a lot less. There was very 
there was much less of him hmm. than in the first one. Hmm. I was kind of disappointed about that because I like him. Did anybody see Creed? No. The new one? Creed 2? Creed 2. Creed 2, whatever, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that yet. The only thing I heard about it was that it was predictable. Well, yeah. Psh, it's <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and predictable go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. I mean, it's... it's don't they? Another Rocky movie. <laughs> it's just a different guy being yeah. Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Which is yeah, why I did not go see it. That's what I thought when <laughs> well, I saw it. I don't the... know. I'm sorry, but Michael B. Jordan. Well, it, that's true. He could just sit there and I'd be like, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch two hours of this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good point. And I mean I'm sure he was shirtless like ninety percent of that movie. Doing stuff, mm-hmm. boxing or doing whatever. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sunny actually gained weight for that movie. Hmm. I guess it's all muscle. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Stallone sequels, they're supposed to be making a new Rambo. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm um, just like, why? Did, oh, so- well. did someone not tell Sylvester Stallone that he's old? You know, I saw Has something not today told just that? in passing that said Sylvester Stallone is out. Like, he's retired. He's done. I was like, no, you're not. And, and I thought, wait, that doesn't sound like him. <laughs> but then I, I couldn't find the actual article to follow it up. So I don't know. We'll see. So weird. I think he could do other types of movies, but to be in Rambo, my dude, the time has passed. Just let it go. Or get Michael B. Jordan to do it. There you go. <laughs> I'd watch that. <laughs> Technically, none of these movies are supposed to exist anyway, because Rambo died. Yes. In the book. He died he in the first book. There's not supposed to be any sequels. The first. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. Speaking of books. Speaking of books. <laughs> anybody read a book this year you want to talk about? I think there's really only one that I really want to talk about. Yeah. Only one. Yeah, and y'all are probably gonna laugh. Because the other the other books that I would talk about I've already talked about because there are murder books. So, right. Yeah, I'm looking okay. at my list so, here and I'm like Yeah. <laughs> done. Done, done, done. <laughs> so uh, and I ha- I have read some juvenile fiction and some YA, but um, Frankenstein. I just read Frankenstein for the first time. Ah. And it was very interesting because, you know, I feel like I know Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's like been around forever, Mm -hmm. right? right? I did not know Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. I had no, I mean, and I now sitting back thinking about it, I don't even think I'd ever seen a real movie about Mm it. Um, I, I saw the spoof with, uh, part, at least part of it, with was it Gene Wilder. The Young Frankenstein? The, yes. Oh, my gosh. It was a great movie. Yes. My, my parents laughed and laughed at that. They loved that. <laughs> but but you did not. Well, I was pretty young when they were oh. watching it. So, yeah. Um, but I, I, my idea of Frankenstein was not what was in this book. Mm-hmm. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating to me. Um. Let's see my notes here that I have. So when the monster makes his request for Victor mm-hmm. to um, 
to make a partner for him. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised at that. Now, I asked Zach if he was surprised, and he said no. He said that they were kind of leading up to it. But I was I was anticipating all kinds of other things that he might ask for. I was not anticipating that. Hmm. Hmm. So that he could live his life hmm. with somebody else in that same scenario. But it made you feel sad for him yeah. mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, yeah. He was not the monster in that book. Mm-mm. Right. No. No, he wasn't. Mm -mm. Because there were so many times when it's like, okay, why did you leave him to begin with? You Mm -hmm. created him, and when you actually, he did what you wanted him to do, you fled. Mm -hmm. It's like, what? I mean, if you wanted to stop it, that's when you should have stopped it. Mm -hmm. But he had no clue Mm -hmm. what he had done, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But then brings about the whole moral issue like you had mentioned before about could he kill it yeah it was now a person and then when it gets to the point where he had learned so much he mm-hmm. had learned how to talk and he'd learned how to love basically and to be right. want to be included as a family mm-hmm. with other people and um he's a person even though he's not a documented person yeah. he's a person and is it okay to try to kill him even though you created him. I mean, it's the whole same thing with having a child and trying to, you know. And I also thought about cloning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The ethics of that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, which actually, I think that, that conversation came up with Zach a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But it, initially, I, it was a little bit difficult to read, but then once I got into it, it yeah. was really good. And I completely forgot about the beginning um, of how it was somebody else telling the story oh. and how they were on the, the ship and all that kind of stuff. And then you get into the, the guy who's telling the story, which is uh, Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein. Uh, I completely forgot about all that until we get to the end, and it mm-hmm. kind of wraps right. it back up. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 So, I highly recommend you read that book. It's a classic, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think if you really don't know Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Now I can say I know Frankenstein. And yeah. if I watch Young Frankenstein, it'll probably mm-hmm. be even more funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, probably. just, yeah, yeah. Those correlations and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd like to now go back and watch the movies and see. So they did. the most recent version of that I watched was the James McAvoy Daniel Radcliffe. Oh yeah, <laughs> the pre, the pre yeah, <laughs> which is bizarre, just Hilarious. bizarre, bizarre. Blah. Oh well. Okay. Is that the one called I Frankenstein? Yes, I think that's the one. I think that's it. It's pretty recent. Yeah. I don't remember how many years ago, but yeah pretty strange Mm -hmm. well speaking of monsters ish sort of uh one of the books i read this this year is circe by Mm -hmm. madeline miller Mm -hmm. and this is um madeline miller's first book was the song of achilles and it was a novelization of the story of achilles Mm. and so this time she took the character of circe from greek mythology and told this whole story from circe's perspective and so all the stories 
throughout mythology where Circe is just a bit character. We see that happening as through her life. And so she's, she's the daughter of Helios, the sun god, and Perse, and she's the least loved of all their children, and um, she doesn't have any powers like a lot of the demigods have until she discovers her witchcraft, that she can make things happen, she can transform things, um, and she turns her lover, boyfriend, shepherd guy, who Gal Gaudius or something like that, into a god. And that's when she gets banished to Iaia, to this island where um, Ulysses runs, up, yeah, runs into her, and all these other things happen when she's there. And it's it's really interesting because it shows you in in almost all of mythology when you run across her, she's this evil character, and she's doing horrible things to whoever she runs across for her own purposes, all this. And, and this book turns that completely around and, you know, helps you understand why she did these things. Why did she turn all these sailors into pigs? Because she had been sexually assaulted and this was, this was the appropriate punishment to these men for what they were trying to do. Um, it was just fascinating. One of the things that her father had told her when she was young, that the, the reason he didn't want her around anymore was because her voice was this shrieking, horrible sound that he couldn't stand. And later on, um, the, the god Hermes comes along, and they form a relationship for a period of time. But one of the things he says to her is, you sound like a mortal, and that's why your father didn't want to hear your voice, because you don't sound like a god. Hmm. And that's what he wants to hear, is that all his children have these godlike voices, even if they're demigods. Mm -hmm. He wants to hear that god part of, from them. But you don't sound that way. You're, hmm. you're mortal. And witchcraft is, is, even though it's a supernatural thing, it's not a god power, it's a human, a mortal power. So, she didn't live up to what he was looking for. So, and it, anyway, wow. it was just really, really fascinating. And so, part of it is these these um, changing relationships with other characters who drop into the island. She's got a brother who is her younger brother, and they were close, close, close when when. Um, they were young, and then um, Circe is banished, and he goes off on his own way, and then he he comes back, but he comes back for his own reasons to try to manipulate her, and so it's just really fascinating to to read and really well written. Madeline Miller did a really really fine job of of putting this together, and I think I also I think I both read it and then listened to the audio book because. I was interested um, in the narrator. I can't remember who the narrator is now, but it was really, really well done. And it's all told from Circe's perspective. So just hearing all those bits and pieces mm -hmm. of, of other stories that you know, um, Daedalus and Icarus are part of this story. 
So it, it's the, the minotaur. So, you know, all those things you know, and just Circe's take on it all. Hmm. So really good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I read three books last month when I was writing my my novel for National Novel Writing Month. So how yeah. did you find time to do that? Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess... <laughs> I, I guess I have time to read books and write books at the same time. I've, uh-huh. I, I, since I was writing so much, I needed that to to recharge. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Was, so were the books you read similar in any way to what you were writing? Uh, not that much. Good. <laughs> well, no. Otherwise, I would think you would worry about incorporating things from the books you read and putting them into yeah i did read one fantasy novel while i was writing but it was definitely in a different vein yeah it was one of the pathfinder tales novels and it was it was entertaining Mm. it was okay you know more light reading yeah it was like reading someone play an adventure essentially (laughs) and they go into this dungeon and then it's kind of like aliens except it's in a fantasy world Mm. and so it was really fun um, but definitely not anything that <laughs> that I would incorporate into my own writing or yeah. or really recommend as any kind of elevated literature. Hmm. <laughs> it was pulp fantasy. Um, and then I read a book we have here called The Mouth of the Dark. A horror. It was a horror story, kind of Barker esque. We have horror stories here. We do. Yes, we do. It was pretty messed up. We try to have something for everyone. <laughs> we do. Um, it started out really interesting and, and cool, and and then it just was like he was just trying way too hard, honestly. <laughs> it just wasn't like... There were some interesting concepts, but everything happened so fast. Like The whole story took place in like just a couple of days, and that it seemed like there was this whole... So there's like this whole other shadow world where... They explain like that the reality, kind of almost like quantum or string theory or whatever, that like the reality we live in has to like shed itself, just like you know, like we shed you know skin yeah. or whatever, and and that those sheddings of reality kind of accumulate and form this other reality that's like the shadow that exists like as a parallel, and only certain people can see what's going on there so that's all sounds really cool mm. right and i felt like there's this whole world that i was i should have had more time to get to know and to understand and we just spend like like one day or t- you know two days or whatever in this world and hmm. i felt i just i didn't it wasn't satisfying it was like i felt like this could have been expanded a lot more and well see and i can understand that because right now i want to i want to talk about it more and understand it like just in this conversation uh-huh. that we're having uh-huh. and i can't quite get my mind around yeah. it and i want more time to like think about it so i can understand what you're but experiencing. i don't know that you can give us much more information yeah there's not, I mean, there's not really that much <laughs> more to give. It was almost like just an excuse to just make a bunch of freaky stuff happen. Uh, and plot device. Yeah. That we don't have to explain. Yeah. Uh, hmm. It was okay. It, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> okay. The best book I read last month is one we don't have here. What? It's Tales from the Gas Station. Oh, okay. that sounds kind of good. I though. love, I love it. it is, I love it so much. 
What is it about? It's uh it's about like you know, it's about this this weird little gas station on the edge of this little mid American Midwest town. Hmm. And this guy that works there and his it's like of course it is written after a series of creepy pastas that was first posted online but the book like expands the story a whole lot there's a bunch of stuff in the book that's not in the original uh like blog posts or whatever so um but this guy where you know he has uh fatal familial insomnia which did y'all know that insomnia is deadly yes no well i mean you have to sleep yeah you have to sleep i mean i never thought you know i never thought about it that way i was like oh people with insomnia they just have trouble sleeping, but if you have it bad enough, you just yeah. Most people with insomnia will still sleep like five or ten minutes. Right, right. You do sleep at some point, but an when hour, you but yeah, when you have fatal familial insomnia, you mm-hmm. just never sleep ever. Mm. You're See, either, I guess I never really thought about that. I figured you know, like you would, mm-hmm. your body would eventually stop for a few minutes anyway to <laughs> do something. But I never your body eventually about that. stops. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to sleep for good. For, yeah. Yes. It's like there's only two. <laughs> the eternal sleep. There's only two <laughs> two modes, un, you know, awake or dead. That's it. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, this guy is insomnia and he works at this 24-hour gas station on the edge of town. And a bunch of weird stuff happens. And, you know, he like at the beginning, he's like, I don't know if I can attribute this to just my insomnia. And I'm just seeing all this stuff. But then he meets other people. And unless they're fake too, then... <laughs> Then, then, like, they see it as well. You know, the other employees. Uh-huh. Hmm. And and there's, like, a guy named Kiefer that, that gets killed a bunch. And, <laughs> a and, bunch? and copies of him just keep coming back. Oh. And so that's a thing. Hmm. And there's supposedly, like, a dark god that lives under the, under the gas station or the town or yeah. something somewhere. <laughs> and there's giant mutant killer raccoons. Hmm. I don't know. This kind of reminds me of some kind of like Stephen King or Dean Koontz book or something, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just the way. Yeah, there is a part in the Dean Koontz Odd Thomas that there's something like this, this Mm -hmm. shadow creatures or whatever. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It's all written from this guy's perspective. And so it feels a lot more tangible than the other book I was telling you about, The Mouth of the Dark, because everything mm-hmm. in that just... Like, it just happened out it just, there. Yeah, but this, like, I felt like this guy was really experiencing these things. Mm. And it wow. was, in a way, you know, it feels like this is stuff that could really, really happen. I mean, not really, but, like, uh-huh. it was written in a way, like, I, be- I believe this guy, you know? Yeah. He writes these blog posts, and there's just some hilarious, funny things hmm. that <laughs> that happen. Like I love the part with the psychics, or not? There, there were they psychic or psychic healers or something like that. Uh-huh. They come in the gas station and the the lady's like, "Oh, I can see your aura, Jack. It's so bad. We need to do something about this right oh, away." Yeah. And he's like, "No, nope, I think I'm good." And so she like puts her ha- puts her hands on his face, uh-huh. and and he's like, "Oh, he's thinking he's thinking this." He says, "Oh my gosh, I hope she's not trying to sell me some crystals." She's <laughs> like, "No, I'm not here to sell you crystals." It's like, "Oh my gosh, she can read my mind." Really read and then she's like, no, Jack, I can't read your mind. And he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of accepts it right there. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> oh. 
Um, and it's an ongoing story, so if you like that sort of thing, <laughs> um, there's you still like new story. new blog posts being being created and posted. And so these are this is not a book; it's a blog. Well, it started as a blog, a cre- you know creepy pasta internet story, mm-hmm. but it really took off, and so it did get published. Okay. I mean, I think it was uh, like an independent publisher, um, but it got you know it's really popular. Yeah. So then the follow-ups, though, are just on the blog. Right now, yeah. But, like, the first one, the book that I read is called the Tales from the Gas Station, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. And so it suggests that, like, as more, as they make more, then there's going to be Volume 2 and Volume 3. And it's not a graphic novel. Mm-mm. Okay. It's scary and funny and, and fascinating. and Typically, scary and funny do not end up in the same <laughs> book. Yeah, so that would be interesting. Tales from the gas station. Mm-hmm. It, I'd say it was the most best. The, the most the best. Most best. <laughs> the most bestest. It was my favorite book of the year. Okay. I'm sorry. I always. I'm sorry. I always pick stuff that we don't have at the library, but. <laughs> But you know we have this fantastic service called Interlibrary Loan. They don't have tales of the gas from the gas station. Nobody has it. I don't think so. I'll check. It just came out like nobody in the U.S. It just came out in October. I don't. I don't know if anybody has it right now. It's a. It's not like it came out on a major publisher or anything or bestseller. You should tell the person who's in uh, control of collections. Yeah. Collection development. Only you knew maybe who that was. Maybe, <laughs> only maybe they could. We had an email address or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I preface this with the fact that I did read a library book. Thanks, Chris. a scary one. Appreciate your I, support. I tried. I tried, but it wasn't it nearly was terrible. It wasn't it nearly was as good. good. So a book that I really liked that was turned into a TV show mm-hmm. by Lifetime. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was Enjoy called that. You by oh. Carolyn Kepnes. Mm. You're thinking about that podcast I was telling you about. Yes, it, I was thinking about that. Um, so You by Carolyn Kepnes. Um, I listened to the audio, which was read by Santino Fontana, mm-hmm. who did the voice of the creepy prince in Frozen. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, that guy. Mm. Um, So, he was the narrator. The book... Is this the weird weird stalker? Yes. It is about stalkers. Yeah. So, the main character is Joe Goldberg, and he runs a bookstore in New York. And one day, he meets the girl of his dreams, Guinevere Beck. They have a very cute little meet cute thing going on. Like she goes to buy books, they have a little conversation, and he's thinks this is it. This is the one. And so he proceeds to stalk her. Oh my gosh. Because she is the one. And he has to turn himself into her perfect guy. So they can be together. And let's see. This entire thing is told in Joe's point of view mm-hmm. which i thought was bizarre <laughs> yeah so he's the one that is the stalker mm-hmm. okay so um 
Beck, which is what she likes to be called, not Guinevere. Um, she lives her life very openly on social media. So it's very oh. easy to find her, very easy to find things out about her. Mm-hmm. Um, he, she does that thing that people do where they post on Facebook where they're going to be and oh what they're gosh. doing and so on. So it's pretty easy to run into her. Mm-hmm. Um, he steals her phone when he runs into her. And because Beck is Beck, she doesn't have any kind of password or anything on there. So he just turns it on and has access to her social media, her email, to her whole life. Because we live our lives on our phones. And, oh, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he proceeds to turn himself into the perfect guy for her. Well, she's kind of already seeing someone who's awful. He is awful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so he's like, well, I got to get rid of this guy so we can be together. So then he gets rid of that guy. Okay, so getting rid of the awful guy does not make you the perfect guy. Oh, no. It makes you an awful guy. (laughs) It makes you a murderer. That's the first step. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, again, so this is all told in Joe's perspective. So there's all kinds of crazy rationalizations about it. Mm -hmm. Like this guy is bad for her and he treats her like garbage and he's gonna so take her right win her over <laughs> don't kill the other guy no man becca's kind of <sighs> messed up on in her own right <laughs> i'm just okay so this is a fiction story uh-huh. yeah. but but you could definitely learn some things here <laughs> yes yes yeah lessons for learned. sure yeah. Um, give this to your teenage daughters. <laughs> Don't give this to your teenage daughters. Oh. <laughs> he curses a lot, and he goes into very graphic detail about sex. Mm. Okay, yeah, so we don't want to do that. But listen to it, and then tell your daughter to change her privacy settings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, he gets super crazy. Um, removes a lot of obstacles out of her life because she's a writer. But she gets in her own way, and mm-hmm. there's people, of course, that get in her way, and so he makes sure that she's being more um, productive in her writing. He, they do eventually start a relationship because mm-hmm. at first he's just kind of there, and she doesn't really know it mm-hmm. until they become friends and they start a relationship, and. He's perfect. Mm-mm. Perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, Beck is a very flawed person. Mm-hmm. And it takes him a while to realize that Beck is not perfect because nobody is perfect. Right. And so... As he is not perfect. Right. <laughs> and so, at some point, he realizes that um, Beck is unfaithful. Oh, so then he tries to uh, Stockholm Syndrome her, and that does not work out. Okay. Yep. Wow. So the show on Lifetime is really good, too. (laughs) So is it? So has it been going a while now? Uh, The first season ended, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So So it's an hourly program okay mm-hmm. wow yeah it's good they changed some things up of course for the show um 
because you have this whole book of Joe goes back and forth. Like there's times when I was listening to it mm-hmm. when I'm just like, you kind of forget that Joe's a crazy, creepy, murdering stalker because mm-hmm. he's talking about books because he works at a bookstore. He loves books and he's talking about books. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then it's, oh, wait, that's his name. And then he's all like, I'm going to go watch back for a while. I was like, oh, right, right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So there's times when you're just like, you know, and to achieve that kind of thing on a TV show, you don't have the time to Mm -hmm. make him into any kind of relatable character, Mm -hmm. even if it's momentarily. Yeah. And so they added a couple of characters, a, a neighbor kid that he kind of mentors. So you see a side of him that's kind and good. And then and then it's like, but he's not. Yeah. <laughs> remember. Yeah, remember <laughs> that he, he just killed somebody. Just, you know, remember that. Mm. And he talks, you know, he talks a big game about, you know, wanting to find love and... You know, and so there's a lot of things that you kind of relate to in that in that sense. And then it's just like, but then you went nuts. <laughs> you were talking good here. And it seems like, okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody wants companionship and love. And mm-hmm. then it's just like, oh, you probably should not follow this girl around and watch her through her window. Like, that's mm-hmm. just, that's not a good idea. Don't do that. Yeah. So it was really good. I don't know if it's something that I would have read, read, uh-huh. but listening to it was really good. Hmm. And it's just you. Mm-hmm. And you haven't watched it? I mean, listened yeah. to it or read it? Okay. Yeah. But you knew of it. Well, or- Denise had told me about it as she was listening. She <laughs> yeah, said, I can't tell you about I've it. I've been be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I knew about it. So... Was it a female or a male author? Uh, Carolyn Kepnes. So, so a female, female author, author talking about a male stalker. Mm-hmm. Through really, his perspective. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that is really interesting. Mm-hmm. And you, you feel like she did a good job with Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. because there's, there's times whenever, like I said, that you think, you know, Joe's just out there looking for love, and then it's just like, oh, right. She doesn't doesn't let you forget that. Uh Like, she builds it up a little, and then you're like, you know, yeah, maybe Joe's just going about this the wrong way. Right. And then it's just like, no, (laughs) no, he's not. I mean, he is, but it's not something. It's not all there is. Right. It's not like, you know, Joe's just misguided. All right, so that might have to be on my list. I like being able to listen. Mm-hmm. And if it was a good audiobook. But just keep in mind that I mentioned that whenever I, I mentioned how, how much I like this book. I don't mind cursing in my books. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that at all. I know some people do. Yeah. And the same thing with the like graphic sex. Okay. Okay. Always keep those things in mind. Right. Well, so that kind of leads to the next book I had to talk about. It's The Pisces by Melissa Broder. And so the New York Times reviewed this book, and this is the title of their review. In the Pisces, a woman and a merman fall in love. 
aquatic erotica ensues. Mm-hmm. So it's the Melissa Broder. I, I don't know her from elsewhere, but I know she's a poet mm-hmm. and she is a Twitter phenomenon sort of person. Um, <coughs> and, and it's always really sad things and really, I'm trying, I can't find it. I, it was, must've been somewhere else that I saw the hashtag so sad today. Yeah. Which is a, a book she wrote a book based on things that she had originally tweeted and then they were on a blog and then she put a, in a book essays in a book but this is a book that she started writing kind of based on some of the things that she's explored just as a poet and essayist but um, it's she was what gave her the idea to write this book was she kept seeing these stories about um, a mermaid and a man who would fall in love. Mm-hmm. And she said, why is it never the other way around? The, the, the gender is the other way around. So she wrote this book, The Pisces, and the main character is Lucy, who is 38 years old. She's been trying to write a dissertation on Sappho for like 10 years um, and the whole thing is that she's writing about what's missing from Sappho's poetry and trying to make the, the hypothesis that it's intentional and that the, the what's missing means something, but she knows that's just a crock and she, <laughs> it's not real and she's just... She's at a loss completely about what to do, but she's, she's been working on this so long. She can't quit. Yeah. She has a bad breakup. So she ends up going to Venice beach, California and house sitting and dog sitting for her sister and the dog. Okay. The dog is a hilarious character because this dog (laughs) has multiple health issues some are new and some are chronic health issues but he has to be you know taken to certain places and and given certain medications and different things done to him and every day this has to happen so he has to be taken care of every day in certain ways so lucy is in venice beach and this uh, the house is across the road from the actual beach and so lucy is just She's depressed. She's got, you know, anxiety. So she decides that she should just start hanging out at the beach. She tries to find a date on Tinder, and it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she just hangs out. She sits on the rocks. This, the beach right across from her is rocky area. It's not like a sandy beach. And one day, this surfer guy comes up, and he's there in the water, and they start talking, and they just really hit it off and so he swims away and they happen to meet up another day and it turns out the reason he never gets out of the water is he's a merman and so they this this whole relationship kind of thing they really you know have things in common and and what seems to really be in common is that they're both fragile people and they're both um dysfunctional socially and they're mm-hmm. both um anxious and nervous and depressed and that's what they have in common 
So eventually, after a, after a long time of spending time together, um, Lucy convinces Theo, who is the merman, that she should that he should come out of the water and go to her sister's house with her. Does she know at this point that yes, the, okay. she knows he's a merman, so she has to figure out how to do this. Yes, yeah, I'm like she's she already <laughs> imagining. You know, if anybody finds out about him, they would just take him somewhere and you know, either kill him and do an autopsy or, you know, he would be watched mm-hmm. constantly and, you know, all this. Um, and if I told anybody, of course, they would think I was crazy. Mm-hmm. So she comes up with this whole plan. She gets a, a wagon and blankets and pillows. And so she goes right after dark with the wagon and the pillows and the blankets. And, and she puts him in the wagon, and so she knows she's got to go really fast. So she wets the blankets and has them mm-hmm. wet to, to keep him, you know, from drying out or whatever. So, and and she crosses the road when there's no traffic, so there's nobody there, and gets him into the house. And, of course, he hates the dog. <laughs> and he doesn't want to go it far into the house, so the only place they are ever together is on the sofa in the living room, which is white sofa. Mm. So that's bizarre, anyway. And so there, are, there are times when she talks about the smell, like this mm-hmm. fishy smell, yeah, <laughs> this odd fishy smell. And and Melissa Broder is is an interesting writer because she talks she she gets into a lot of this really deep descriptions about things and they're very, um, she uses all the senses to try to describe things. And so it's not, it's not that she's graphically describing Mm -hmm. actions. It's that she's, she's delving into things deeply as she describes what's going on. So anyway, it's, it's this weird thing. And so, I don't. I don't want to tell you what really happens, <laughs> whether it's a happy or a sad book. But did you like it? At, I. I don't know if I can tell you that. Oh. <laughs> that might because that I away. think what you okay. know about me yeah. would tell you <laughs> okay. how the how the book That's is. That's true. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it. But it's really interesting how they how they kind of build this relationship just talking and spending a little time together while he's in the water and she's up on the rocks. But then it, it, it's weird. It's very odd. Hmm. So it's an odd book. It's a really odd book. And it's, and it's interesting that it came out in the same year that we had the shape of water mm-hmm. with, you know, winning Academy Awards and all this kind of thing. And, um, that, that it would be that same kind of basic story, sort of, you know? So it's not the same story mm-hmm. as The Shape of Water. It's not like that. because I mean, she doesn't find out she's some sort of mer-creature mm-hmm. like Eliza or Elisa or whatever her name is does in The Shape of Water. But anyway, it was a really interesting book. All right. Yeah. You've intrigued me. It's very interesting. 
interesting, <laughs> odd, and now I don't know the ending. Yeah. yeah. So that's... <laughs> I can't tell you the ending. Right? Right. So is that going to be the new trend? Is no. Merfolk? I don't think so. I think so. it's already like, passed. I think it's done. Like, vamp- yeah. we're not going to have a Merfolk craze like we had a vamp- vampire. Well, vampires you know, always I, come and go. I don't but. think yeah. so, but I did read that, like, six months ago, she was, B- Melissa Broder was writing a screenplay of it, not for her own edification, but because someone had asked her to do that. So I don't know where that's going, because... I don't know. This this struck me. It might be like this would be an art film. This mm-hmm. would not be a feature film, mm-hmm. you know, from a big blockbuster sort of yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Less. This is more of an art film than The Shape of Water was. Mm-hmm. So can I tell you really quickly about one that I thought I would like, but I didn't? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you all know this. Um, I just listened to Whiskey in a Teacup by mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon. Oh. And I thought it was going to be a memoir about, you know, growing up or whatever. And it sort of is, but it's really, if I had to boil it down, it's Southern Living Self-Help and Recipes. So it's short. There's not a lot of substance to it at all. And she makes these sweeping pronouncements about what all Southern women do. Oh, really? Like what? And they're all, ba- well, <laughs> the and they're all based like on her rich Nashville family mm. upbringing. <laughs> okay. So it, it's things like this that remind me that I did not grow up in the South. I grew up in Texas, okay. which is a different thing. Uh-huh. Sometimes I forget that. Because there are some crossover things, yeah. but this was not any of it. Not the same thing at all. Um, but, I mean, she spends a whole chapter on monogramming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like, that you have to have monogrammed sheets and towels and pillowcases and... Hmm. Et cetera. It, it's interesting. Yeah. She... And so she talks about all the events that you have. And so she talks about bridal showers and this and that and Fourth of July picnics. And she's got a whole menu and the recipes for all those. And it's her mother and her grandmother's recipes for the most part. So I mean, there are some good, good recipes, okay. that, but... It, she keep, just keeps making these sweeping generalizations about this is what all Southern women do. And I'm thinking, Southern women of privilege? Yeah. Anybody else? No. Yeah. Um, you know, when I grew up, we were lucky to have new sheets, let alone have the monogram. Right. You know, that it, so, I don't and know. And if anything was monogrammed, was it was kept nice. And it was put it's out never when guests, used. Right. Yeah. yeah, except for when guests came. What is that? What was that? In All in the Family, Edith Bunker always says, oh, we keep this for best, which meant you never, ever used it. There was never a time when you could say, this is the best ever possible time. So yeah. we're not pulling that out yet because we're keeping it. We're saving it for best. Hmm. But I was just disappointed. I, I listened to it. 
and she narrated it. She she read it, which was fine, but it made me not like her mm-hmm. because she's sitting there making these sweeping generalizations. I think if I just read it, it would have been okay, and I, mm-hmm. it, I still wouldn't, you know. Yeah, it it wouldn't have meant so much mm-hmm. for her to make these sweeping generalizations if I were just reading them instead of hearing them in her voice, like she really believed it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I don't know if she really believes it or if this was just a oh some publisher said we could make a lot of money off this I don't know phoning it in yeah I, well I don't think she was phoning it in I think she really does believe this stuff okay but and also she's got a lot of money well, maybe yeah. somebody should have <laughs> said to her you know what maybe you could just talk about your experience instead mm-hmm. of saying this is the experience of all southern women mm-hmm. so Anyway, mm-hmm. oh well. Yeah. Well, maybe there's something in that statement too. When you say Southern mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. maybe that's a class. I don't know what everybody else would be called. <laughs> yeah, Southern peons of the female. Southern peons. <laughs> <laughs> So you have women from the South, and then you have Southern women. Is that is that how you differentiate that? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Because she didn't say ladies or you no, know, any she different. Did not. Inter- she didn't. She didn't use any language that would tell me that she understood that all these things, not all these things, but many of these things were related to wealth and privilege. Yeah. Hmm. So. Huh. Or maybe that's just me and my social justice activism coming out. <laughs> well, Reese, I expected better of you. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing, that's too. It. It, because <clears throat> yeah. I think in some instances, there could be ignorance. Mm-hmm. You just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And if she was never part of a different culture, mm-hmm. as far yeah. as the or, finance. Well, yeah, I, I yeah. think for you know. her... Moving to Los Angeles and being rich there is a different culture. Yes. So yeah. She is. She grew up rich in Nashville, moved to Los Angeles, and was rich there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, well. Yeah. I don't need to go on and on about it. Yeah. It doesn't work that. But I was, I was just expecting more and better. Didn't get either one. So, Okay. We'll find other things. <laughs> well, I'll talk briefly about one of my junior books mm-hmm. because it is a Blue Bonnet nominee okay. on, the, on one of the lists. And it's called How to Avoid Extinction. Oh, good. And it's about, right? Yeah, that's a good thing to know. Yeah, yeah. good thing to know. Uh, it's about a, a boy and his grandmother, for the most part, in their relationship and... Kind of weird mm-hmm. in the sense that the things that happen in this book I cannot see happening. <laughs> um, he, his grandfather passes away, and he is basically put in charge of keeping track of his grandmother because she likes to wander okay. and um, I, I don't do different things. And so he's got these places that he goes and looks for her, and mm-hmm. you know. One of the places is the donut shop. So I'm thinking, yeah, donuts. (laughs) Yeah, he turns down donuts. I don't know what's up with this kid. So uh, anyway, his grandmother 
decides that she wants to go on a on a road trip because her and her husband used to do that. <clears throat> And, you know, he got sick and passed away, and then she's still trying to recover from that, and she finally feels like she's up for it. So she decides she's going to go on this trip. Well, the mother is kind of domineering in a way, and uh, very talks at her child, Mm. Um, even though she's giving him this responsibility of keeping Mm -hmm. track of the grandmother, she's like, doesn't listen to him. Mm. And so he's telling... He's trying to kind of tell her something, and she's talking at him and says, go find your grandmother and, you know, do all this stuff. And he's trying to say, well, she's going to go on this trip, and she wants me to go with her, and she won't stop, the mother won't stop talking. And so he's like, okay, you want me to go find her? I'm going to go find her. We may be a while, is what he tells her. (laughs) Yeah, and so those two in like a second cousin kind of thing is in the picture too. And so they all get in this car with the dog and they go on this road trip. They um, wanted to go see the dinosaurs in, um, what was it? Utah. Okay. There's a dinosaur Mm -hmm. quarry. So it kind of just talks about their trip. And uh, okay, I'm just thinking first off. My mother would kill me if I <laughs> ran off without telling her where I was going. And so that kind of part is like mm-hmm. unbelievable. Whose mother would, yeah, anyway. Even if you are with your grandmother and you, you know, right. you have to let your mom know where you're going. Um, <clears throat> but it was good. I mean, you know, they go to Chicago and see the museum there. They have a dinosaur museum and they park where they're not supposed to park and yeah so they kind of have these little fun things that happen and there was a couple parts that were and you know made me laugh out loud um so it was a cute little book and i think it was kind of more about the grandmother and the the boy discovering more about themselves Mm -hmm. and dealing with the death Mm -hmm. of the grandfather and then you know towards the end it was um, also developing the relationship with the mom. Yeah. So I think it was a good book for. That sounds like fun. Yeah. yeah. So, and the funny thing is, is that I laughed out loud. I don't know if kids would laugh out loud mm-hmm. because they don't necessarily understand mm. the the play on words. But this, they would laugh out loud at other things. Huh? Probably, okay. yeah. Because this one part they were talking about. Um, the dog dies. The they they, oh. they have a run-in with a bear. Mm. And so oh anyway, goodness. yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you the whole thing, but the, the dog does end up dying. And so they're going to bury the dog. And they want to do it out in the wilderness, and so they need a shovel. And um, so they're talking to the, the shop owner, and there's a misunderstanding when he says... Um, he, they lost the dog, and then they, he says, yeah, I lost my grandmother. And the shop owner thinks she died. I mean, oh. yes, that she died, and they're like, no, I mean, she's, lost. she took off without us, she's and we don't know where she's at. And so there was just this misunderstanding, and it just was so mm. funny when I was reading it. So Anyway. So tell us the author. Uh, Paul Acampora. Acampora? Acampora. Acampora, okay. yeah. Thanks. So, yeah. It was it was a good, and it was a quick read, too, so. 
if you want to know what your kiddos are reading. (laughs) (laughs) I can talk about a book I did not like. Okay. Or I can talk about a book that I did like. We got time for both if you want, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. So the book I did not like was, and this is another book I listened to, was Stephen King's The Outsider. Mm -hmm. Um, It's giant, first off. Mm -hmm. The first half of the book was super good. It was super good. And I was really excited because I got through like, how many discs was this thing? So I got through like eight discs and I was like, this is good. And somewhere around the middle part there. So the first half of this book is about, there's a awful murder when this little boy um, is killed Mm -hmm. and all the evidence is pointing to a very well respected uh, youth coach that everybody in the town knows this is a small town Mm -hmm. um, set in Oklahoma and everybody in town knows him he's you know married has two daughters um, coaches all the sports and so um, the police officer that's investigating, the detective that's investigating, is a friend of his. And so all the evidence is pointing to him. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's going to do his job. He's not, okay. like, we're buds, so. It, not like all those police officers <laughs> like we read about in real life. Right. <laughs> and so he... He decides not to ask him any questions. Like, he's just going to go arrest him. He also decides to very publicly arrest him. Like, in the middle of a baseball game, Mm. arrest. So, kind of to prove a point that he's doing his job, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. okay. And so, he arrests him. They, He's in jail, and he gets a lawyer, and... He starts talking about how there's no way he could have done it. If they had asked him where he was, he mm-hmm. would have told them that he was at a teacher's conference with three other teachers that he works with. Mm-hmm. He shared a room with one of those teachers so they wouldn't have to like get their own hotel room and spend all that money. And then he's like, during at that time, on that day, I was listening to Harlan Coben talk about his new book. <laughs> you know, and then I was waiting in line to get it signed. Uh-huh. So he's like, there's tons of people that saw me there. And then it turns out that the conference had filmed Harlan Coben's talk. Uh-huh. And he got up and asked a question. So there he is on video mm. uh-huh. in another city. Too far away to just be like, oh, I'm going to go murder a child real quick and then come back. Uh-huh. Just, it's impossible. Yeah. And so it brings up a lot of questions about when you're falsely accused of something, even if you have proof Mm -hmm. that it wasn't you, people are still not going to believe that it wasn't you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so so it brings up those questions. But then then the supernaturally stuff happens, (coughs) which... I expected supernatural things to happen. It's Uh Stephen King. And also, how are you going to explain the same person being in two different places? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of their evidence was people in town saw him, talked to him, 
like interacted with him and he's well known in town uh-huh. right. so it's not like they mistook him for, right, someone, for someone else, else. And so that was a lot of the evidence. And then the DNA evidence came back, and it was his DNA. Hmm. So it's just like something supernatural has to happen here yeah. in order to, to be, to be uh, cleared away. So then the supernatural stuff starts happening. So again, this is set in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And it, part of it is set in Oklahoma, and then it moves on to Texas. There is only one Latino character in this entire book. Hmm. <laughs> that sounds suspicious. Totally <laughs> believable. <laughs> totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so the lead detective, Ralph, is really stumped. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, when they take Terry, the guy that they thought committed the crime, to arraignment, because they got the DNA evidence back, mm-hmm. they're like... He did it, y'all. <laughs> so they go to arraign him. Um, the older brother of the little boy that was murdered shoots and kills Terry. Oh. And so now he's dead. And mm-hmm. so um, Ralph asks him, you know, he's like, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, by the time the ambulance gets here, like, you're, you're going to die. Now is the time to just confess. Yeah. This is it. And... He's like, I didn't do it. And so that's pretty much when he starts thinking maybe he didn't do it. Mm. And I'm just like, I would take that to my grave, yo. <laughs> like, I would just be like, no, <laughs> it wasn't me. With all this technology, they could get me better. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I'm like, nah. <laughs> but that's when he starts thinking that maybe they got the wrong guy somehow, mm-hmm. even though you got DNA evidence. So they start investigating, start trying to figure it all out. Um, One of the things that really irritated me about this is that nowhere in any of the blurbs or anything on the book did it say that he was going to be bringing in a character from another series of books. Oh. Mm -hmm. Um, So Holly from the Mr. Mercedes series shows up. Well... There's some things that, like, I only got so far into the Mr. Mercedes series, and then this spoils the crap out of that series. Oh. And so, Holly shows up because she's seen some things, and so she knows that supernaturally things happen. So, so she's here to, to help out. And then, yeah, yeah, I'm listening, and I'm like, oh, hey, it's Holly, and then she, like, spoil something and i'm like what <laughs> I well like, i guess i don't have to read that book i was like oh what <laughs> not happy about that and then she continues to spoil the rest of the books Aww. throughout <laughs> so there's that um so once holly joins the team she starts talking about now keep in mind again there's only one latino character here and she starts talking about the El Cucuy. Oh, yeah. Folktale. You've heard of that creature. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and um, before Holly shows up, the only Latino character, Yoon, he's talking to Ralph and he's all like, you know, this reminds me of of a story, you know, that my grandma used to tell me. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Oh, well. I'll ask the wife. And that's that. Uh-huh. 
here holly shows up and she's like let me tell you about this thing and he's like oh yeah that's it and i'm like really (laughs) okay (laughs) sure (sighs) a lot of things happen a lot of bad things happen they start hunting down the creature of what it is um yoon the only latino character doesn't even get to see the creature of his folklore of his own cultural folklore Mm -hmm. much less fight it wow he gets shot before they go into the big final battle Uh and so he's sitting out there bleeding (laughs) and i was like are you serious they were very serious and i was not happy about that uh the reader of this book could not decide if latino people sound like regular people or (laughs) if they have that whole sleepy mexican sound to them um he went back and forth Mm -hmm. on that which was really irritating i was like hmm okay Okay, I'm going to have to listen to that just to find out what a sleepy <laughs> Mexican sound is. <laughs> what that sounds like. Uh, okay. <laughs> and let's see. Oh, and I don't think Stephen King knows how to write people that are younger than him anymore. Mm. Really? Because the main characters, at the most, he had to have been like 45. Look at the most. Yeah. And... He is in law enforcement. He uses his computer and he uses databases, but yet somehow Google is a mystery. What? He doesn't know how to use Google. Really? Yeah, that seems a little odd. At some point in this book, he actually claims that he would know how to trick out his iPhone to make it into a black light. Uh And yet Google is too hard. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, dude. Uh, okay so huh how old is stephen king now anyway in his 60s Mm, i think he's 70 something okay let me look so yeah that's really interesting the first half was really good and then the last half i'm just like wow wow yep he's 71 hmm so how many discs did you say? There's 15. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I'd already made it to like eight discs. And uh-huh. I was like, this is pretty good. And then once it started to go downhill, I'm just like, I'm, at this point, I'm like rage listening. Because <laughs> you're too far invested to stop now. And I am now. angry. Yeah. And I want to know how angry uh. I'm going to get. <laughs> and at the end, I was super angry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm not going to rage quit. I'm going to rage continue. <laughs> I'm going to continue. So when I tell people how terrible this is, I will like 100%. Not like, oh, I got to like page 700 and then I was, and then I was done. Oh, no, no. I, I did it. I listened to the whole thing and it was terrible. <laughs> so there. So you think Stephen King needs to call it a career and be done? I think he should just... Stay in his lane. Yeah. Stay in your lane, Stephen King. Stay in your lane. <laughs> okay. I want to throw out a couple that are series books mm-hmm. that I read this year. One is The Other Woman by Daniel Silva. It's part of the Gabriel Alone series that he's been writing. 
and Gabriel alone is a art restorer, assassin, and at this point in the series, this really isn't giving anything away. He's he's the head of the Israeli super secret intelligence agency, the office. Um, and the other woman is an interesting kind of throwback to the Cold War. Um, the um, somebody I can't remember who has found who found out this information first, but um, back 30, 40 years ago, the KGB planted a mole in the U.S. Hmm. by bringing in a baby who at a certain point in, in their life would be contacted and then brainwashed and then brought up to, to be the mole in the <coughs> CIA or the U.S. government or hmm. whatever. So they're finding out about this because of that baby's mother who has decided she should write her memoir. Oh. So anyway, that's, that's what's going on there. Um, and the other one from a series is Holy Ghost by John Sanford. And this is part of the Virgil Flowers series. Mm -hmm. These are so funny, but they're not just funny. Um, detective, police things. Um, but in Holy Ghost, the, the main character, Virgil Flowers, is a, he works for the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, which is kind of the state police force. And he gets called into those odd cases where weird things are going on and nobody can really kind of put everything together. Um, so what's going, what's happened here is this small town has um, had in their Catholic church, they saw a vision of Mary, Mother Mary. Mm -hmm. And so they've got, lines and lines of pilgrims coming every day to see where the vision happened. And one of their pilgrims gets killed by a sniper. Mm. And so they can't figure out, I mean, they're a tiny town, so they've got one police officer, you know, whatever. Um, so they can't figure out what's going on, so they bring in Virgil to, to try to figure this out. And so that's what he's there to do. And so part of what he's doing is finding out what's going on with the vision, the apparition, and part of it is solving this murder. And there's another murder that happens. And so, anyway, it's good. But Actually, sounds interesting. Yeah, it yeah. is. This is, a, this is a good series. Yeah. So, John Sanford, Virgil Flowers. Virgil's a, a funny character. He's just real laid back, and he's kind of... <laughs> Minnesota surfer dude, if that's even possible. <laughs> Is that a thing? Uh, it's not, but if it were, he would be it. That would be it. Yeah. He's that laid back. He really is. Okay, that's all. Well, I also read a YA book called How to Hang a Witch. Oh. Mm. It was good. I can't remember. So I listened to it, the audiobook of it. Um. And it was about a girl and her 
dad and stepmom and moving back to the town with it where they're where her dad grew up because he's in the hospital and um, not sure if he's going to survive and that kind of stuff. And so she's got to start a new school and um, it's been a while since I've read it. So I don't know all the details, but I have here that I liked the book. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So read it. I think it was a little, had had a little, you know, some surprises in it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I, somewhat knew how it was going to end before it ended okay. so you know i was able to figure out a little bit but then there was so still... this a serious book is it a funny um, book is it probably more on the serious okay. side it's more like intense okay um yeah definitely more intense okay scary things hmm. you probably won't Salem witch trial kind of witches? Kind of, yeah. Yes, because that's where they go back. She goes back to live as Salem, actually. Okay. Yeah, so it's uh, Hmm. kind of about that. Okay. Hope never dies. Hope never dies. (laughs) Was that a a like or a dislike? Oh, it's a like. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah, Hope Never Dies is by Andrew Schaefer. And it is the book equivalent of a campy B-movie. Yeah. Except that it is uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden going out there solving mysteries. Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. Is it hilarious? Oh, yeah. It's hilarious. It it really is. It really is. And it's really Joe Biden. (laughs) Like, it's it's his whole, like, mainly from... Yeah, mainly from 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 Joe Biden's perspective. Biden, and yes, thank you. And it's um, it. Oh my! I God. remember hearing about these. So it, this is the only one that's he's so, written far, so far. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it'll be a series yeah. or not. I mean, definitely left it open oh, for them to go on more. But it's really it's, adventures. It's all completely <laughs> tongue in cheek. The cover is amazing. Oh, it's hilarious. The cover is amazing. Oh my gosh. They are in the convertible and Obama's in the passenger seat, but not sitting. He's oh, standing, no, standing up, pointing, pointing forward. We're going to go. And Joe's oh my goodness, driving. It's, so and he's funny. <laughs> it's just so funny. And, and Joe is so, um, he's. He's not confident about the relationship, you know, like that they had when they when he was in the White House and and because they, they haven't were, really gotten you know, to hang out. Because they hadn't really talked much since then. And Brock was out there making celebrity friends. Yeah. And oh, he's feeling left behind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But then something comes up and they team yeah, back up. They yep. do. Okay. It, it was really funny. <laughs> And and oh, that reminds me that I read "The President Is Missing" by James Patterson and Bill Clinton. And was it painful? It kind it kind of <laughs> was. I, so I don't like reading James Patterson just because mm-hmm. I think he writes way too much and puts his name on even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, I'm pretty sure he wrote a good chunk of it because Bill Clinton didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bill Clinton did write part of it because you could tell when he would be talking about, well, you know, the Secret Service does this and this and this that, you know, they don't like you to do, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Those things, you could tell he was he had written that part. Um, and they said, they said that they kind of sent it back and forth to each other, mm-hmm. you know, with 
as they wrote. But anyway, it it just I mean it was it was okay, mm-hmm. but it was nothing outstanding at all, and I don't know. It was a little drier <laughs> than I was hoping mm-hmm. it would be. It wasn't uh, Hope Never Dies. It was it not, not Hope Never Dies. No, no, I would read another one of those. I yeah. would not read another President is Missing. Yeah. No. Yeah, it was super entertaining. Yeah, it and really I was. liked the Secret Service guy that they had. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, you know. I mean, he uh, he moved on to better things, but I wonder if he'll be in the next book. I don't know. He might. Yeah. That'd be great. You can hope so. <laughs> yeah. Loved him. <laughs> Thanks for listening along over new podcast. We'll see you next time. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Sure. Well, <laughs> we'll, hear we'll talk you. to you you'll, next time. You'll hear we'll, us. We'll, we will read some more, and we'll get back to you. <laughs> Good plan. Mm-hmm.